Hello and welcome. You're listening to Love as Transformation and I'm your host, Maria. This is a virtual space for spiritual, political, social and artistic reflections, looking at the power of love to transform ourselves, our communities and our world. The Vietnamese monk Thich Nhat Hanh once said, nothing is created, nothing is destroyed, everything is in transformation. Please send your thoughts, reflections and requests to loveastransformation at gmail.com. It's always a pleasure to hear from you, my friends. Now let us begin. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today's podcast is focusing on a radical politics of love. And I'm going to assert that A materialist approach will never transcend materialism. I've noticed, as many others have before me, that there is a distinct absence of spirituality or awareness in mainstream politics, as well as in media, academic spaces, and a lot of so-called professional spaces. The spiritual is relegated to the private domain or not given any space at all even by people or organizations who might care deeply about issues of equality and justice. Um, To give you a little bit of historical context to this, in the 1600s, the French philosopher René Descartes introduced the idea of a mechanistic model of the universe as a kind of machine, which very much saw the mind as separate from the physical body and viewed people as separate and distinct from one another, the tree as unconnected from the river and your struggle as unrelated to mine. Then through colonialism, this idea was spread throughout the world until it became hegemonic. And this idea is what makes carving up a rainforest possible because it doesn't recognize that we're carving up ourselves. In order to breathe, I literally need that tree outside. (laughs) So we need the human and the more than human to survive and to thrive. So here we are, it's 2021. Our global systems and structures are being held up to the light for examination. Their sufficiency has been exposed and exacerbated by the pandemic. What now? I think a lot of us are asking more so than ever before, what kind of society do I want to be a part of? How can I create the life of my dreams? What do we want to be doing with our time and under what conditions? And sometimes the problems facing our world seem too great if you're engaged with uh, political or social or economic analysis it, it can easy to f- fall into it can be easy to fall into a bit of despair. <laughs> So I'm here to make the case that many have made for eons that now is the moment to commit ourselves to being at the service of a collective shift in consciousness, moving towards a radical politics of love. Being spiritual, present and aware doesn't demotivate us from committing to the social or political processes of transformation that are necessary to create healthier societies On the contrary, they make those things inevitable. We need to wake up in all senses. So I'm not advocating for a kind of 
fluffy uh, liberalism where we all hold hands while corporate and state violence continue unabated. Uh, I'm not commenting at all actually on what action should be taken and I'm not negating the need for education or activism you know both of which have have informed me greatly all of my learnings so far but I am advocating for a higher and deeper form of transformation along spiritual lines. I think in many of us across the planet right now there is an unfulfilled yearning for a deeper awareness and presence. There is this desire within all of us, no matter how unconscious or deeply buried or even suppressed, there is this desire to move towards a radical politics of love that informs our communities, our relationships and ourselves. And of course we have so many examples of this all the time in our daily lives, in our relationships with one another. For example, we see its manifestation in mutual aid groups that have popped up out of the pandemic where neighbours are helping each other out and sharing resources and doing one another's shopping and really taking steps to protect the most vulnerable or anyone who needs it. Um, so there are great examples of reciprocity, both within countries, but also across international borders. So for example, when we see Cuba sending Italy doctors to help deal with the number of COVID patients that Italy were dealing with, um, there's a lot to celebrate. So how can we encourage processes of transformation at all levels? The more we fill ourselves up, the more we embody wellness in a deep way, the stronger we will be in sharing this with others. Yes, critique is powerful and learning from critical thinkers and people with practical analysis and solutions is super important, but we don't need any more idols. We can draw what is helpful from the great thinkers of the past and the present without expecting them to be all-knowing. So, for example, for me, I, it's possible for me to read the works of Franz Fanon, who was an influential, highly influential anti-colonial philosopher, and draw from his wisdom, his strength, his vision, while also taking into account the particular context he was writing in, uh, as well as his own patriarchal assumptions. So that goes for all scholars, leaders, artists and thinkers, many of whom I think still have so much to offer us and might require a process of translation or thinking about how do we apply this or go beyond this, right? What, what is it serving? No single person has all the answers. We're collective beings and solutions arise from our interconnectedness. As Audre Lorde says, there is no such thing as a single issue struggle because we do not live single issue lives. And no one person can understand all the, the dynamics of everything. So we need to be collaborating and sharing ideas and knowledge, knowledges across borders, groups and disciplines. I know things now that I didn't know 10 years ago. So how can we allow others the space to learn and evolve and how can you give yourself that space? What or who has helped you to expand your thinking or made you feel happier in the past? And how can you give that to others? And I would ask and 
I think it's a, an, a question worth, worth asking. Do we, do we really expect that others are not going to enact or vote for violent or hateful policies if we can't find the compassion to recognize the humanity in another with whom we mostly disagree? And sometimes I recognize that really is too great an ask and that it requires digging super deep. And we might say, why should we do it if they aren't doing it, right? Why should we defend their right for free healthcare and education or whatever it is when they are dehumanizing us? But as Angela Davis says, you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world and you have to do it all the time. And as Miriam Kaba says, hope is a discipline. So it's a practice which is worth committing to. Is it possible to understand our opponent and also observe the shadows within ourselves without compromising our intentions? I think it is. And often what, what we're seeking on all sides beneath the surface is not as different as we would like to believe. And if we want to choose love over fear, it starts with ourselves. So I work frequently with organizations as one of the things I do, which is in the arts largely, but I work with organizations that offer projects and support for refugees and asylum seekers. And I, I've really noticed that frequently the people engaged in that work don't necessarily apply the same set of values to themselves that they apply to the communities they support. So in those spaces, we recognize and advocate that a displaced person is worthy of rights and a healthy, fulfilling life, regardless of their passport, status or past. They're worthy of a good life simply because they're a person. So that same logic needs to be applied to those we dislike. But more than that, this must be applied to ourselves. We are worthy. We are worthy of everything. And by everything, I don't mean in a material sense. I mean much more deeply than that in terms of love. There is no I without community. Humans cannot survive without one another. We literally need one another. So I feel like we're being called upon to embrace and cultivate community wherever we can. And doing that with a bit of self-reflection and collective reflection um, in order to frame what's happening and to take a step back and consider how are we perceiving things? How can we remain present? Victor E. Frankl, the psychiatrist, philosopher and Holocaust survivor once said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So, do what you need to do to create a space that is empowering and liberating for you now. Not when X happens, but now. I really believe in not shying away from learning things that might be a bit distressing or unsettling or hard to accept. And that it, you know, if we want to take action, informing ourselves more about the world, history, marginalized perspectives is going to put us all in more powerful positions, increase our empathy and better prepare us to make choices for how we move through the world in a loving way. I also really believe in the potential of people and 
more deeply the beauty of life itself. I, I really believe it's possible to critique and take action against structures that might need to be completely transformed or dismantled or defunded without dehumanizing the individuals involved, even as they provoke others to do so. And you might say, does it really matter if we're successful? And I think, yes, if we don't want to continue the cycle, if we are serious about reinvention and transformation, transformation must therefore occur at all levels in all our spaces, no matter how good the, the end result we're going for might be, that the way we do it matters and the energy with which we move matters. So the amount of people I know who are critical of capitalism but who measure their own self-worth by their level of productivity is remarkable. What does it really mean to be okay with simply being, to be okay with yourself just as you are? I don't think that stops you acting. I think that empowers you to act from a different place, from a much more secure place. And yes, the language of well-being and self-care can be co-opted and individualized, uh, as we know, but that doesn't negate the truth that spirituality or a practice of awareness points to. And I, I also think that the oppressor-oppressed binary, you know, that the likes of Paolo Freire in Pedagogy of the Oppressed has really explored, and many, many people have explored, has a really valuable purpose in highlighting the uneven nature of our systems, which disproportionately affects some people more than others, typically along racialized and gendered lines and economic lines. However, the answer to injustice and inequality is not going to be achieved in a deep and lasting way by reinforcing dualism. A great theater practitioner, um, because I work in theater, I read a lot of theater practitioners, David Diamond says, we're all part of one ecosystem. So his work used, um, he went beyond the oppressor oppressed a binary to use forum theater to just help communities deal with problems as one ecosystem. And I realize this is more challenging when we think about our global community, our non-human community internationally. It's clearly big. But if we want to stop seeing the world in terms of baddies and goodies, we must move through deconstruction towards a non-dualistic approach in a way that goes beyond an intellectual experiment as done by the likes of Jacques Derrida and many other philosophers, and instead do so in a way that is truly embodied, in a way that many indigenous communities have understood since pre-colonial times, that we all deserve to experience. So a systems theory approach is one about viewing communities and the collective as a conscious living organism. And we see it in Sumat Kause, which is a Latin American indigenous philosophy that recognizes humans as part of and equal to nature in a reciprocal relationship with the elements and the land. We also see it in the African philosophy Ubuntu, I am because we are. I'm really interested in decolonial thought and action, and decoloniality for me means not privileging academic knowledge over other forms of being and moving through the world. So if we want to uncover a harmonious, just and joyful world, if that's what we really want, 
then yeah, we need to take the time to observe the perfection of a tree or enjoy playing with children and, and give ourselves space to be humbled by a starry night sky. And that there is injustice in the world cannot stop us from doing those things. And I think for me, thinking very much about this idea of embodied transformation, this is where performance and theater and arts really come in. Art and stories and performing and dancing and moving trigger something visceral, inexplicable and moving that help us to understand something deeper about life that goes beyond the cerebral. A materialist approach will never transcend materialism. And if materialism is a problem, then we've got to be thinking differently or rather being differently. All words are symbols, which are limited and subject to infinite interpretations. So that means that everything I'm saying right now is also somehow limited. I, I can't say everything I feel, the, the words can't capture it. And I know there's, there's so much nuance I can't get across to you and you're gonna read things in a variety of ways. So there are infinite ways to translate. There's translation happening all the time. all the time in how we read everything. And I think that seems significant to me. Some people are masking their pain and filling the void with rabid consumerism. Others by spreading hateful messages online. Some do so through addiction, others through rampant nihilism. And regardless of the action, and I'm not judging what is worse, but just regardless of it, the void is still the void. The energy with which we do something matters, as I say. So learning to be with ourselves, not to numb ourselves, is crucial to transformation. Understanding there is no separation between the self and the other is, is really not a trivial task or not an afterthought. Some might say it's the only task. And yeah, you might respond with, Okay, but this is urgent. People are suffering right now. The extent, the extent of the impending ecological disaster knows no bounds. We can do that stuff later. This is not the time to observe and experience love and awareness. But on the contrary, this is exactly the moment. What else is going to be seismic enough to enable global shifts that will be sufficient to deal with the challenges faced by our complex interconnected world? but deep collective inner transformation at the level of consciousness. There is no later, there is only the here and now. And I really do believe that experiencing the perfection of life itself doesn't demotivate us from enacting change for the betterment of the collective. On the contrary, it makes this inevitable. And I'm aware that there seems to be a paradox in material critique and spiritual perfection. But actually, if I'm really present, I don't think it is a paradox. It's not an either or scenario. It's all part of the same process. A radical politics of love means understanding there is no separation between the self and the other. This understanding and knowing and state of being calls us to reorganize ourselves so that we address inequalities, we support our most vulnerable, and we create the optimum conditions to enable 
all to flourish? Do you want to be right in all things or could you let some of your convictions go if it truly created a better world for all? Do you want to be free? Then choose freedom now to be continued. I'd love to know your thoughts. Um, please do get back to me. If you have any reading recommendations, I welcome those too. And this is one of many podcasts where we're going to explore the radical politics of love. Thank you. You've been listening to Love as Transformation, musings on the power of love to transform ourselves, our communities and our world. Please send your thoughts, reflections and requests to loveastransformation at gmail.com. I've been your host, Maria, and you, you are loved.